Like our podcast? Want to hear more? All it takes is a little support. We love creating free content for all to enjoy, but we're not too humble to ask for help. That's why we created our Kofi. Go to Kofi.com slash Classic Faultlines Podcast to help fund this show. For every $10 we raise, we'll release a bonus episode for everyone. That means if you go donate $10 right now, you can tell all your friends that you basically bankrolled an entire podcast episode like the baller you are. Plus, once we reach $100, we will release special Classic Fault Lines merch. If you want to represent your new favorite podcast in style, throw these sisters a bone, would ya? Again, just go to ko-fi.com slash Classic Fault Lines Podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash Classic Fault Lines Podcast. Have a large day. It's a classic. Whoa! Line. An earthquake of magnitude 3 has a hundred times the ground motion of an earthquake of magnitude 1. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. Today is turning into the most curious If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? Hello! <laughs> you dumb bitch. Hello, and welcome to Classic Volleys. I am Molly. I'm a writer, a documentarian, and I learned last night that I won honorable mention in the L. Ron Hubbard Writers of the Future contest. Wait, it's Elmer Hubbard? Yeah. I texted you that. I missed that part somehow. Yeah, that's what? what? Yeah, it's the Elron Hubbard Writers of the Future contest. I wrote this um, this story called The Lion's Jig about uh, the dancing plague of 1518. Oh, yeah, that story's crazy. Yeah, and um, so, like, honorable mentions fourth place, basically. So, is this your way of telling me and the listeners that you're... Because I'm being a Scientology. No, Katie, I'm Catholic. <laughs> I mean, wow. The story, okay. though, does... The story, you, like, you read it, like, it blames the story, like, spoiler alert, everyone, if you'd ever read it, blames the Catholic Church in the end, so... I'm aware. So, within the Catholic Church, because you're getting ready to convert to Scientology. You know, it was gonna be a big special announcement on our Instagram, and you really had to ruin it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, by the way, I'm Katie. Yeah. Um, thanks for confirming. Yeah, well, it's just I was waiting for you to do your fucking part of this. <laughs> well, I mean... No, go ahead. Who the fuck are you? I'm Katie. I'm Katie. <laughs> I'm Katie. <laughs> and I am scared. I am moving. Mm-hmm. And I have a stuffed dinosaur that I've had since I was two years old named Littlefoot. Yeah, I mailed it to her so she could use it in our live reading of Jurassic Park that we did a few weeks ago on my YouTube, Magical Molly. It's pretty funny. Katie played all the dinosaurs. And I'm not kidding. That is really what she did. Like, I said that to some people and they... And, and well, did people know me? Like I said it to mom. I said, "Oh, Katie's playing the dinosaurs." When I first was talking about like that, that was the movie we had picked uh, for June. 
And mom was like, oh, yeah, like, but what is she really doing? And I was like, she's playing the dinosaurs. And when I and when I say that to people, I was like, yeah, my sister played the dinosaurs. People always kind of like, ah, uh-huh. and I'm like, no, she she played the dinosaurs. <laughs> I played the shit out of those. Oh, no, yeah, that was the best part of that whole read. Like, honestly, if you hadn't been in that, that might have been boring. Like, honestly. I'm I'm actually genuinely nervous because I thought it was really funny up until I was getting ready. And then I was like, we, like, obviously, obviously you couldn't. One of my favorite things to do is to go back and look through what what people were doing during my lines because, you know, I couldn't see it. And mm-hmm. it's so fucking funny. And, like, obviously you couldn't see – all of us were trying not to laugh when you would start doing that. Like, everyone in this – like, some people started muting themselves because they were laughing so much at it. Like, when we that do – Because I didn't go back and watch it because I was nervous. But I remember just thinking, like, when I was getting nervous, well, it'll be – It'll definitely be embarrassing if I don't commit. Like I've got to go in the hard. in the chat in the private chat. Everyone was like, everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is so like we were losing it." A classic Fallings is a comedy literature podcast where I explain the plot of a classic that Katie hasn't read, and it's funny. I swear. <laughs> and I, Katie, first explain what it's really about. <laughs> You're full of shit. (laughs) You know what's been driving me crazy is about myself. Yeah. um, Everything. Yeah. (laughs) What? How much I can say um during my summaries. So I'm going to try, like, okay, breaking fourth wall, taking out the curtain for a second, everybody. I'm making up the summaries. As she goes along. I think it is funny that, like, we've talked about that before, me and my friends, how, like, that does show, like, that you have done improv before, because I have... Ex- but I've too much. I'm going to try to work I've on never noticed it. I've literally it never... If it was a drinking game, it would kill people. Yeah, but I've never noticed... I mean, I say like all the time, so, I mean, I don't care. Um, I don't, I've never noticed. I'm dead serious. I've never noticed that. Um, there's someone out there who's like, yeah, bitch. Shut the fuck up. Um, then at the end of the podcast, we rate on the Richter scale, which is what is used by seismologists or as the lay people call them, the severity of an earthquake. And we, uh, rate it on a scale of zero to 10, zero being the book aged pretty perfectly or 10, uh, the book aged so terribly it decimated an entire state or country, depending on how small it is. Like yeah. what was what was more than country because an earthquake that big if it's on the coast uh, What was that? Cra- what was that crazy? Crazy. I don't know why I couldn't talk for a second. What was that crazy earthquake that happened like a few years ago? Was it like in Argentina or something? It was like huge. It was like a giant fucking hole in the. Do you know what I'm talking about? There have been a number in the. Last I don't know. Century. I remember when I was in high school, there was just like this astronomical earthquake. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so it was like 10 years ago. In Haiti? That's, yeah, that one. Yeah, and Haiti's already. That one was wild. I remember, th- I remember seeing pictures and it looked like, it looked like it couldn't possibly be real. So yeah, if a book ages horribly, it's that earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one was a 10, though. I know, I'm just saying, like, that's, you know, we're making it up. It's worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
first for Molly. So we're doing a summer of of pro. <laughs> You're not acknowledging. I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? <laughs> like I didn't hear it, so it must not be important. <laughs> <laughs> what did I, you? What did you say? I said incest doesn't count for Molly when she's raising it. Yep, that's true. <laughs> you know. Yeah. What I love about this podcast is Katie's trying so hard not to be problematic, and I fully embrace that I am a very problematic person, and we just, like, it's one of those things where if I ever was successful enough to, like, be canceled, someone would be like, you said this in the past, and I'd be like, yeah, that was fucked up with me. All right. And, and then you'd be like, also, but my sister was standing right behind me saying, no, 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 she doesn't mean that. My favorite thing is, like, one time Katie, like, we were getting mad about something. We were fighting, and she was like, you used to do this thing all the time. And I said, really? And I said, when was the last time I did that? And she was like, a few years ago. And I said, well, I didn't have a mood stabilizer till I was 24. And she was like, so I'm not allowed to count things until you were 24. I was like, no, I'm just saying like, I like that sounds pretty fucked up of me, but I don't really know what you want me to do about it now. And like a lot of times when people cancel people, I'm if like, it's one thing if they're like JK Rowling and they're still doing horrible things. But when, but when, but like when someone who's like, especially like politicians who like you know in recent years are like working really hard to like fight for equal rights in all different ways and then people bring up like well they did this in the past I'm like well are we living back then like what do you want them to do now and like the same it also depends on what they said and if they just said something or if they did something to I mean obviously words have power and it's still oppression or racism or prejudice or whatever it is but there's a difference, I think, not that it's okay, there's just a difference in severity of the yeah. impact. Well, like, whenever someone brings up, like, I've heard people bring up before that MLK was um, a huge homophobe, which is very true. He hated gay people. And I'm like, okay, does that suddenly counteract everything good? He, what do you want us to do about that now? Like, that's kind of one of the things whenever someone's like, well, Harvey Milk did these things. And I'm like, again, guys. He's de- what do you want to do? What do you want to do yeah. about it now? It's just really hard. And I'm speaking for myself as well. It's just really hard to accept that there are people who can do really good things and then also do really shitty things. Yeah, that's the whole point of the musical Hamilton is it's like, look at this wonderful stuff. Look at this horrible stuff. The way John, my former writing teacher, he was like, yeah, really bad people can do really great things. I'm not saying MLK or Harvey Milk were bad people, but they did do, like Harvey Milk would out people without their consent, um, which like he'd out other like politicians and stuff because he was like, we have a platform so we have to be out to prove it's okay to be out it's like yeah i get that but also dude what the fuck but that doesn't suddenly like negate every important thing harvey milk did and the same thing for like mlk and tons of people but yeah that's the thing is whenever someone brings up like especially when it's like minute things that weren't great that people did in the past like a fucking tweet like when people brought up like a rape joke tweet that james gunn who directed guardians of the galaxy made like 10 years ago i was like what what's he supposed to do about that now like i don't understand like yeah um, or honestly even and and this is coming from two queer women mm-hmm. well it's not the same as being a gay man but still <clears throat> when kevin hart's tweets from like a decade ago the homophobic tweets and then like they took him out the oscars and that was so stupid 
I mean, I don't know Kevin Hart. But Chelsea Handler likes him, so... No, he's like done he's a lot of good stuff, and, like, he was going to be, like, one of the, like... There's been, like, literally less than, like, ten black people have hosted the Oscars, and it was still going to be, like, a very historic thing that he was going to host, and... I just... I mean, obviously that's not okay, but there's a difference between somebody saying something stupid and then stupid and in, in that it's racist or homophobic or But it's like, yeah, are they still doing and, it now? Yeah, and also... Um, well, that's why the, what the didn't even make sense. Like, if you break it down, because you said that it was something like, if I ever find out my son is gay, I'm gonna smash his dollhouse over his head. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh, but that's really funny. <laughs> Molly, oh my god! I didn't know that's what the tweet said. <laughs> We're canceled. We don't actually think it's funny. Molly has a, uh, she laughs when she's nervous. Um, <laughs> you don't think that's funny at all? Okay, the part that I think is maybe funny is the part, is the part I don't understand. Who gave him the dollhouse? What happened in the first place? He went out and got it. He went out, he took initiative. The kid did. <laughs> he went out. It's like, you have a bucket full of problematic litter that you just you walk into the room and you're like incest and homophobia my favorite the thing is, though, is I I also, I act, you know this, I am an active advocate and I actively fight, like, I donate hundred. I have, I just want to say, and not to, like, brag, but, like, people think sometimes that, like, I am a fake activist because I talk about it on social media and then I say stupid shit, but, like, I've donated hundreds of dollars since this uh, set of second civil rights wave has started to different bail funds and the Freedom Fund, which is all for queer people. I give a pro, I run a literary zine and I give a proceeds of our merchandise sales to the GoFundMe to help homeless black trans women. I have organized multiple rallies and gone to numerous protests. I organized the biggest rally in our city history for immigration rights immediately after the election like i've raised money for planned parent i just want to say that because some listeners i don't want people i don't want people to think i'm a fake activist i'm very real i'm like a comedian i say stupid shit but i actually do a lot for the communities I just, I just always like have the compulsion to just come behind you with a verbal dustpan and frantically anxious. That's the point of the podcast. Okay, well then I was just doing my job then. Uh, what was I going to say just now? I had something. Oh, I was thinking about that tweet the other day when um I was re-listening to one of our episodes and I was thinking about I was listening to the Dorian Gray episode, which I think is one of our funniest, and I was thinking about um. That tweet you sent me that was like, um, did you have a good childhood or are you funny? (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Whenever, Um, like, one time Austin was like, do you ever wish you could go back to your childhood? And I said, I have never once in my life wished that. No. I was like, I have nightmares that I'm in high school. Like, I, what? Like... I said the other day, uh, last night, Kat um, was saying, they were like, um, Kat from our, uh, Carmilla episode, they were like, yeah, middle school was the highlight of my life. And I went, I'm still waiting for the highlight of my life because it hasn't happened yet. I'm the best be waiting for the highlight. If the highlight already happened. Oh my God. This is depressing. If the highlight happened, I want a refund. I want to start over 
It was still, Katie was telling me a joke she told a guy the other day where she was saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this because I wasn't popular in high school. And I said, you didn't go to high school. And she said, you have three degrees, bitch. I'm just saying, like, you homeschooled. I know. I know. And that's embarrassing. That we homeschooled? Yeah, homeschoolers are fucking weird. Yeah, have you met us? Have you heard the podcast? Have you seen anything we've ever made? I would prefer to think that people don't think we're that kind of I really don't care. I told Austin the other night, I said I homeschooled. And then later in the call, I said, are you afraid of clowns randomly with no transition? Um, We were sitting there silently reading. And I looked up and said, are you afraid of clowns? Uh, Because that's how I am as a person. And he said, I don't know. It depends. And he said, are you? And I said, I'm literally the only person I know who is not only not afraid or uncomfortable with clowns, but actively likes them. And I was like... I have like these things that used to be Nana's, these like really fancy like clown figurines and busts now on my bookcase. I saved like my clown mobile and like on the clown artwork I had in my room when I was a toddler. And I said to my I said, who got it from Nana? <laughs> I said, I said to Austin, I said, well, the theme of my room as a kid, you know, like they make babies' rooms have themes. I said, mine was clowns. And Austin was like, you know, everything you're saying in this call really explains a lot about you. He was like the homeschooling, the the active enjoyment of clowns. He was like, do you go to the circus? I was like, dude, I fucking love the circus. I was like, I've been to so many circuses. You don't even know. I turn up for the circus. Circus is my jam. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Um, oh, there are legitimately, probably, very likely friends of mine listening to this right now who are who just learned that I was homeschooled. Like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not cutting it out. I like it. This is who we are. <laughs> You're like, don't even ask, bitch. <laughs> like, I'll cut, I'll cut out. I'm Harvey milking the fact that you were homeschooled. <laughs> I'm Harvey milking. That's a new term now. I will cut out most things you request me to cut out, but that is not one. I'm proud that we're that fucking weird. Like, I honestly was debating over whether I would even try and ask because I was pretty sure that was going to be the answer. Anyway, this is... Anyway, let's get into the fucking podcast. So first, Katie, I will give her two clues, and she will try to guess what book we're discussing today. Now, this isn't wrong every time except one. Okay, so this isn't a clue. It's just something to know. Is these next two books we're going to be doing for the month of August are queer coded? They're not openly queer like all the other books we've done. Um, Because I was trying to just do classics I own, not spend money, and all the other openly queer ones I looked up, I would have to go buy. So I went through my bookcase and found queer coded ones uh and this isn't my opinion like there's numerous scholarly articles on these things so um the one we're doing today your hints are it's a play um mm -hmm, we're doing a play again and it was published in the 16th century what yeah oh man (laughs) Uh, it's not, it's, it's not what, it's not, it's not one of this playwright's more famous plays. Great. But like we, okay, we've already covered this playwright on the podcast. Well, Shakespeare then is only, wait, oh, Merchant of Venice? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, that, oh, I feel, I, yeah, I did not think you were going to get it. Yeah, we're doing Merchant of Venice by William Shakespeare. Remember, 
remember. Oh, that's right. Because we talked about it. Because like months ago, you asked if I remembered it. Yeah. I had seen it live, and the only thing I remember is being like, "Is that gay?" Yeah, that's why. Because I, I was like, I was considering took away from that experience was I'm pretty sure I remember gay. Yeah, I was considering doing it. I was like, well, I know you've seen some Shakespeare, and I was like, oh, I hope this isn't one of the ones. I have read some Shakespeare. I meant like you, you know some Shakespeare. To know, there's nothing wrong with just having seen it it was all meant to be seen like but i have a degree in theater I know, so. i'm just saying um and i'm saying it would be embarrassing if i hadn't read any plays okay let's move on so katie's read plays everyone um just so you know <laughs> i don't want any if anyone leaves this episode today with anything it's that katie has read plays <laughs> Um, and that Molly has a list of, like, 18 things she can rattle off uh, that prove she's a real activist. I just, I started to get worried that they don't think I am. What do you think I'm saying that I already plays for? Because I got okay. worried. My ex, my most recent ex-boyfriend yelled at me in a Denny's because I said I didn't like to read most plays. He got, and then I remember he said, I told you this. He was like, so when I come back from New York this week, and if I brought you a box of plays and said, read this, you're telling me you wouldn't? And I said, okay, no, because first of all, that's fucking obnoxious. Two, I'm not going to read something I don't enjoy just because you tell me to. He was a director. I put that in quotes. Um, also, I period wouldn't read some even if it was something i was interested in reading if you were like read this i would be like fuck you no yeah that's a i i I hate that it's obnoxious well like i always tell my friends i'm like guys you know nine times out of ten you're not you're recommending books to me that you know i won't like you just like them yeah because like like michelle's pretty much the only one who accurately recommends me books michelle from our spring fire episode she'll be like you would like this like mom will recommend me books and she'll be like you should read this. It's good. And she's like, I mean, it's like not the thing you usually read because it's this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, mom, you just described the kind of book I would never want to read. And she's like, yeah, I guess you wouldn't like it. I'm like, you just like it. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Like I made the mistake once of recommending a book to my friends. I knew they wouldn't like, I recommended the starless sea just because I loved it so much. But most of my friends don't like to read literary fiction. Like Bridget read it and she was like, I didn't get it. And I was like, you're not supposed to like get it. It's not that kind of book. And she's like, I don't know. I just like, what was this? What was the, I was like, it's up to your interpretation. And she's like, it's fake. I didn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. So now Katie will give her real summary of what happens in the Merchant of Venice by Shakespeare, which um, obviously they don't know the exact dates on when these things were published. So they have narrowed down that this was published between 1996 or not 19. What the fuck did I say that for? Oh, my God. It was a real good year. <laughs> I'm tired. Um, between I was two years old. Um, No, between 19 or God, I did it again. <laughs> It was six and this slapped. It was great. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Between 1596 and 1598. Okay. That's a very different year. It really is. It was a very different political climate, believe it or not. Maybe it wasn't, though. Elizabeth was on the throne. Who knows? Okay, go ahead. Tell me what happens in it. Okay, so The Merchant of Venice uh, starts with... Vinny. Vinny. <laughs> Sorry. 
You're so rude. <laughs> you rude bitch. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Benny lives in in uh, Venice. In, you know, the city of Venice. Yes. Uh, but not the Venice in California. The real Venice. Because the, the Venice in California didn't even exist. Where's yet. the Where's okay. the Where's the real Venice? Italy. Yes. Okay, thank God. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Your face, the fear. <laughs> you didn't know where that was. I'm sweating, I'm sweating. Um. <laughs> so, it's one where, like, I knew that, but then I got really scared. You're like, I didn't realize geography was going to play such a big role in this podcast when we set out to make it. <laughs> like, okay, so... Benny lives in Venice with his father, and his father owns a uh, shop where he, uh, it's, a, it's a pawn shop, <clears throat> like an old-timey, you know, 1500s. Yeah, obviously shop. it's old-timey. It's the 16th fucking century. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. It was old. It's, it wasn't called a pawn shop. It was just, he was just called, a, uh, just said merchant above it, but, you know. The merchant, the merchant of Venice, perhaps? Well, it doesn't say the merchant of Venice. Because I'm just saying he was he was a merchant of Venice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Thanks great. for catching on. Um, Why don't you fuck off? How about that? <laughs> you know what? I quit. I um, quit. You know what? No, you're fired. I created the podcast. You're fired. It was my idea to do a podcast. Anyway, Vinny lives in Venice with his father who is a merchant and just, it, it just says merchant it's not like mm-hmm. the store has a name or anything and this isn't Etsy it's just a store in Venice this was, this was the original Etsy Etsy was inspired by this play yeah that's true because he sold vintage and handmade items so it was a lot like Etsy it was exactly like Etsy were hand painted top Great. so his uh, dad, everyone just calls his dad Merchant, mm-hmm. um, or Merch for short, so we got Vinny and Merch. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinny's mom died giving birth to him, so... Wow, this got dark so quick. It was not uncommon in the 15th century. This play is a comedy. You know that, right? I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> you're like, no, it's not. This is one of the tragedies. Shut the fuck up. You're like, this is up there with Macbeth. I don't know what you're going on about. <laughs> things happening in my head and it's too late. You're like, this so, and Hamlet are compared so often. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> you already strapped in for this ride. You can't change your mind now. It's too late. Oh, my going. God. Go ahead. So, Vinny and Merch. Oh. Sorry, my upstairs neighbors are... There's a really weird noise coming from upstairs, and it's distracting. It's probably so, a, a demon. Honestly, it sounds like a rocking chair, and that's not that's not chill. It's, a, okay it's a ghost sitting in the rocking chair, like Annabelle in The Conjuring. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> that's a great oh, movie. I still hear it. Just ignore oh. it. I can't hear it. Well, I know. I know you can't hear it. It's not that loud. It's just loud enough for me to be terrified right now. Um, uh, should so. we wrap this up then? Call it a day. The ghosts are out. We gotta go. <laughs> and that's it. And thanks for listening. Actually, this is the last episode of Classic Fault Lines. We have been killed by the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, see, Dragon's freaking out too. He's going to hide. Jesus Christ. Dragon is her dragon dog. Dragon. 
Haven't I talked about him like a hundred times? I'm just <laughs> clarifying for everyone at home, for the folks. <laughs> at Dragon the Toothless on Instagram. I'm going to so, punch you in the face. <laughs> hey, you brought him up. I what? You brought him up or you named him. Oh, okay. You said his name. You didn't name him. I was like, I had nothing to do with the naming of that dog. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So Vinny's mom died giving birth to him. And Vinny is very close with his dad, but he's starting to feel kind of stifled because his dad doesn't have a lot of friends. So it's kind of one of those like unhealthy, codependent, um, covert trauma relationships where his dad has leaned on him a little too much because his dad has failed to form social connections outside of his son. Jesus. And so, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my Vinny, God. Bringing psychology up in this bitch. This is crazy. You're going to learn something. Freud loved this play. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, Freud loved Oedipus. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. We definitely can't ever cover Oedipus because that I remember vividly. Yeah. And we also can't cover Lolita because Katie said no. Uh, there's no way I could do a summary of Lolita because it would just be me screaming for five minutes. It'd be like, okay, Katie, tell me what happens to Lolita. And Katie'd be like, okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not kidding. That's all that would, the only sound that would Katie be would be like, we're covering a horror novel today. <laughs> I mean, basically. Uh, so, Vinny is starting to feel a little bit stifled by his dad, Merch, and. Uh, his dad has raised him to help him work in the shop, the, the merchant shop. Mm-hmm. And he taught him how to hand paint toms. It's been really fun. And the most fun, though, Vinny ever had was making a kite with his dad. He hand painted a kite. Okay. With a beautiful scenery on it. Okay. And he approaches his dad play opens with him approaching his dad his dad's uh sitting behind the counter counting the money they just closed up the shop and Vinny approaches his dad and tells his father that he doesn't want to work as a merchant he doesn't want to be his successor he doesn't want to work in the store anymore he loves him very much but he's not a carbon copy of him he wants to live his own life mm-hmm. it's like that's your dream dad not mine <laughs> Yeah, basically, you don't even know me. Uh, he wants to go open a kite shop. And he's asking his father to give him a loan to start the kite shop. His dad is heartbroken and not very good at hiding it. <laughs> so Merch starts weeping, and then Vinny gets kind of defensive and angry, and he's like, Dad, I worked here with you. I've been your best friend. Just let me have this. It's my life. And then because Vinny's emotions now are raised, Merch starts getting upset too. And so they're fighting. And Merch is like, fuck you. Not anymore. And I hate you. I disown you. I'm just going to close the store and die alone. And Vinny is like, good. I bet you will. Because you can't make friends. leaves and goes and to the opposite side of Venice. So he's on the other side of town and he opens, it starts off as a stand. You know how like, yeah, um, if you go to central park, they have those stands where they sell like balloons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> so he's got like a kite stand and they all have beautiful hand-painted scenery on it uh and he's actually doing pretty well for himself he's pretty successful uh and then he, and he had to do a stand instead of a shop uh, by the way because he his dad didn't give him the loan so yeah. he could afford to do yeah and he uh you know uh, sleeps next to it at night because he can't afford an apartment but he's just really happy making these kites and selling them and then watching little kids fly fly his beautiful kites up in the sky and he gets word that merch actually has died alone uh just like he said he would so he has to go back now to the merchant shop and go through all of his dad's things mm -hmm. and he finds a box of letters and he's going through his dad's thing and then we go into uh, a flashback and then we learn all about how we go into a flashback in the play yeah, they, I mean, you know, you have to make, like, an artistic choice when you're directing it, but it's really a flashback, and it, it depends on, on the projection that you see, how they do it, you know? Uh, and so, we flash back to even older times, and his dad is a... To 1590. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. whoa! <laughs> it's a 90. It's not so. modern at all, unlike 96, which was progressive as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So his dad and this other boy exchanged letters and had, in, in, in secret, like Albus Dumbledore Grindelwald style. Don't know. A good example of queer coding, though, am I right? Remember, remember in Crimes of Grindelwald how they were like, people said that you two were close, like brothers, and then Dumbledore's like, we were closer than brothers. And then, like, it showed their. And it showed their blood oath, and it's just like them holding hands for a very long amount of time. And then I remember I've seen it with Katie, and I had already seen the movie, and Katie goes, what? Like really loud in the theater. And she goes, is that it? Is that all we get? I was so upset because it should have cut to them. Like, I don't know. Fucking. That movie <laughs> was such a garbage fire. <laughs> like, so JK Rowling, JK Rowling forgot her own lore. Like, I, I can't, I can't with that bitch. I can't. So she's also friends with a Nazi sympathizer. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's just—it's <laughs> like it's gonna come out that she's actually the Antichrist and has come to to destroy us all. I mean, it would make sense given what's happening this year that the Antichrist is here. I wouldn't have put my money on Joanne, but I wouldn't be surprised either. And did you watch that TikTok I sent you where like the woman was like, people are saying I'm a turf because I don't understand trans women and don't think anyone else should either. And then she's like, people are forgetting that I wrote a book about a boy wizard who had a teacher who was rumored to be gay. People are forgetting that. She's like, people are also forgetting that a... Uh, I was poor. I was quite poor. I'm <laughs> just like rumor in the book itself. Rumored because she just said something later. Anyway. It's only canon in a very Potter musical universe. He's like, Professor, why do you trust Snape so much? Because I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and then in a very Potter sequel where he's like, Don't you get it, you bitch? I'm gay. 
I fucking love like to this day I'm like like I don't buy that she never watched a Harry Potter sequel before she like like let them write or that the Jack Thorne and Tiffany whatever the fuck the people who wrote Cursed Child those fuckers saw a Harry Potter sequel because it is such a similar plot like it starts the same it follows a similar thing like very po- I always think about that now where like because we were talking about the other night my friends and I how like the entire epilogue for Harry Potter feels like fan fiction like really bad fan fiction like the like epilogue yeah, is absolute yeah. garbage I hated it they should have just left it out yeah and like um we were talking about how you know a Harry Potter musical like like or a Harry Potter sequel makes fun of it where like the guy playing Lucius they're like but what are we supposed to do everything's fine and he has a family and a scar has never bothered him again and then Lucius is like yes I know there is literally no way the story can move on from this point (laughs) (laughs) anyway then he's going through the letters Mm -hmm. uh, he finds out his dad's name for the first time he didn't know his dad's name well everyone calls him merch and And the dad never disclosed his name no he's a very private man so, Can you imagine if we didn't know our father's name? Yes. You're like, I don't know it to this day. <laughs> the other day in the car, Andrew was driving us somewhere. And, like, you know, he got mom's car, which is, like, you can hook it up to your phone. It is Bluetooth. And um, he gets in the car, and the tech, he gets a text, and it shows up on the screen. And I look at it, and I go... Do you have dad in your phone as Matt Lukovich? And, Andrew and Andrew's like, yeah. And I was like, are we, is mom in your phone under her name? And he's like, what is she in your phone? And I was like, mom? What? I was what? like, you fucking weirdo. Like, what? Yeah, he has our parents in, in his phone under their first and last name. Not mom and dad. I know people who do that if they, like, don't have a good relationship with their parents. Maybe that's Andrew's way of telling us that he hates mom and dad. Okay, I can't with no. that. I have to move on. Earlier tonight, mom and I, Andrew was in the kitchen and we were talking and then, like, the conversation took a turn to the Bible and mom and I started discussing the different Gospels and Andrew just turned around and walked out. He didn't even say, like, all right, well, I'm going to go. He just looked at us and turned around like, absolutely not. And just walked out. <laughs> like, ew. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. He learns his dad's name. Yeah, uh, his name is Vincent. So Vinny was named after him, and he didn't even realize it. Whoa. Uh, That's a plot twist. I didn't see that coming. You know what? I didn't either. You're like, I was shook the first time I read this, and Katie's read it many times. And even even when saying it, I was surprised hearing it come out of my mouth. Katie's read this in the original Italian, because even though Shakespeare was English, he uh, wrote this in Italian. He was really committed. He took a year abroad. He went to Venice. (laughs) So he's reading the letters, and his dad, Merch, formerly Vincent, was exchanging letters with a boy, a very good friend of his, some might say, his best friend. <laughs> they were closer than brothers. His name was Talladega. And Talladega and I don't know. Look, I, I don't just know thought of Talladega nice. Just trying to get through this. Talladega <laughs> and Vincent, uh, it's 
there's definitely feelings there. It's insinuated, and uh, it turns out that Vinny was adopted. They don't even know who his mom is. She had died in childbirth. Uh, Vincent and Talladega tried to live uh, secretly together, and they found a baby, and were like, we'll keep it. They found him? Yeah, they just found him, like, on the street. Like, you know, I found my cat. It was kind of like that. Like, just so, interview with the vampire? They just found him? And we're like, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they found him, but then their uh, neighbor outed them for living together with a baby. And they're like, how can that baby not have a mother? What's happening? And they started to get really scared. So then... Uh, sorry, it's just it's particularly sad. So you're so full of shit. Go ahead. <laughs> Talladega, uh, or Vincent says to Talladega, "We're gonna have to separate and never see each other again." Wow. And, I mean, he that escalated a- quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs> it jumped up a notch. <laughs> it did, didn't it? And Talladega is so heartbroken at this prospect that he kills himself. Wow. And then it cuts back to Vinny in the merchant shop crying and... Then we see that the sign changes to merchant and kites. And so now he does both in honor. Oh, it's, it's sorry, Vincent Talladega's merchant and kites. So he honors both his fathers. Even though it's never called that because, you know, coded. They were just like really good friends who wanted to raise a baby together. Vincent and Talladega's merchant and kites. So he's living his dream. And honoring both of his dads, be it. Okay, well, <laughs> it's not a tragedy at all. It's a comedy. Um, and the queer-coded characters are two women. Really? Yes. Yeah, I, I to make sure I was remembering this correctly, because I took a Shakespeare literature class and we studied this, and I wrote a really good essay on it, but my Shakespeare teacher uh, withheld the right to, if he didn't agree with your opinions, he would fail you, um, and he didn't agree with my opinion, because I talked about how this was feminist queer coding, and so he gave me a D, and then told me that because I'd gotten a D, I was going to fail the class and I should drop out, uh, so I did. He was, um, he was a piece of shit, and he looked like... Um, you, in Independence Day, uh, the scientist at Area 51 who the alien kills, you know who I'm talking about? Yes. He looked like that. Imagine, wow. imagine trying to take that seriously. <laughs> and he had the dumbest fucking opinions about everything, but anyway. Um, so yeah, it's a comedy. The queer-coded characters are two women. I, to- so weird because that is not a man. I really don't remember this play. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I was like checking myself. And so before we, we did this, after I wrote out the notes, I like went back through the play and highlighted parts. And I like looked up like um, three different articles about it to make sure 
I was right, um, that like other people held this opinion and I wasn't like misremembering. Um, yeah. So I actually saved one of the articles. It was from, um, Michigan daily and this came out, uh, last year. Uh, and it was written by, uh, uh writer Alex Kernrow. And he said, um, the intimacy and desire in the relationship between Portia and Orissa informs their sexual orientation. Um, and I ha- I highlighted some passages we'll get to that in innuendo that I mean Shakespeare was bisexual so like I mean many of his plays this one Hamlet um, Twelfth Night especially oh my God Twelfth Night is just everyone is bisexual in that play Jesus Christ um, um yeah so there's a lot um. Wow, look at you. You did so much research. Good I, job. Thank you. I almost, because literally, I had several different books I was trying to choose between for today, and I picked this last night at, like, one in the morning. I decided on this one and then did all the oh, research today. Um, and uh, I was, I we almost did a Bible story. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but I didn't think it was long enough to sustain an episode, so I thought I'd save that for a mini episode. Uh, yeah, so, but it seems like every time you're like, this is a really short book, it ends up being like three hours of us talking. Yeah, but this is legit just like five pages because it's the Bible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the Gospels yeah, are... No. Because I don't read the Bible. So Have you never read it? I mean, I read it when they made me. It's got some bangers in there. Like, it's not all, it's not, you know, it's not all great. But there's honestly some parts slap. I'm not going to lie. Um, if you all want to know what the fuck I'm talking about, give us $10 on Kofi and we'll release a mini episode about the Bible. Yeah. There's, there's multiple, there's there's multiple queer stories in the Bible, and the word homosexual uh, wasn't in the Bible until 1946, just so everyone knows. The word, it was yeah. originally a passage about, uh, it's wrong to be a pedophile. It never said anything about being gay, just so everyone knows. Um, anyway. Please donate, though, because now I really want to know. Katie's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, <laughs> what's in the Bible? There's multiple gay stories in the Bible, but this one's just my favorite. Um, what well, you could make it. I mean, and cut this out if you think this is a dumb idea. We could potentially do a full episode that's just a bunch of stories. Yeah, that is a good idea, actually. We do all the queer stuff in the Bible. Yeah. We can do that. I'd have to do multiple summaries, but that's okay. I can do short ones. We can do that next time. We're recording in two weeks, so. Cool. I asked Anne Andrea the other day, our Anne who's a nun, uh, what her favorite part of the Bible was. And she was like, I really like the Gospel of Luke because it's the best from a literary standpoint. <laughs> and I said, I just like to imagine Anne Andrea sitting there being like, well, I don't think the character development in the Gospel of Matthew was believable at all. <laughs> it would have been metal as fuck if she'd been like the crucifixion. <laughs> One time I asked her if she'd read the Gnostic Gospels, and I could tell she was somewhat, like, very taken aback that I asked her that. She was like, I was like, because I read the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, and it was great. She was like, that's really interesting. Like, and you could tell she was like, it's fucking hedonism. (laughs) They cut that out for a reason. (laughs) Anyway, let's fucking go. I, yeah, I'm just, maybe. I'm just thinking of that TikTok audio where it's like, here we go, here we fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think of everything one. in TikTok audios anymore. So we start in Venice. 
we meet our merchant. His name is Antonio. He is worried that his ships are lost at sea. This is a big issue in lots of classic literature uh, that predates the 1800s. Ships were just always lost at sea. If you remember in Beauty and the Beast, that was a big inciting incident. Where the fuck are these ships at? Wait, I don't understand. He's waiting on, like, merchant supplies that he needs to come in, and the ships are lost, so he might be out. Oh, oh I see. He owns the ships? Yeah, it's, like, basically, like, his Amazon orders are lost in the mail, but he already sold them, so he's going to owe a lot of money if they don't get in. But he also owns, like, the trucks and pays the people delivering. Yeah, he owns a lot, and he's going to be out a lot of money and a lot of work. But, yeah, they could be dead is another issue. But just like Amazon, he doesn't care if the workers are dead. So it's just, like, a one-man corporation. He's the um, original Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, was very ins- <laughs> Jeff Bezos was very inspired by this play to run an evil corporation that we all use because capitalism is unavoidable. Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Uh, Comedy. Oh, pull up that chart I sent you. You're going to want to use that. I, yeah, I, I sent Katie a character chart so she could try and follow who the fuck these people were in relation to each other. I will tell you. <laughs> This looks so confusing. <laughs> I will tell you right now. This is going to help at all. It's like a maze that you can't get out of. I'm going to tell you right now, there's no incest in this play. Woo! <laughs> we, we love you to know, see. You definitely said that before and then be like, and then, oh, you know what, Katie, actually, I forgot about this. No, I triple, I did check this to make sure I wasn't <laughs> wrong when I said that. Like, um. Counted as incest because they're only related by their dad. <laughs> No, sometimes they're related by marriage. Like, Edgar Allan Poe wasn't actually related to the cousin he married. Yeah, it's still illegal to, like, marry your child even if they're adopted now. I know that. But it's not illegal to marry your cousin in the state of Maryland. Where I am! You told me that every time, and I don't know why, and it makes me uncomfortable. Every time she acts like this is new information. <laughs> no, I don't, because you've said it a hundred times. Yeah, but one time I told you, and you were like, every time you say that, I'm like, this is shocking. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's not less shocking, because I really feel like that shouldn't be the case. Anyway, here we go. So his friend Bassanio, who I'm going to call Baz, uh, comes up and he says, like, yo, I need money so that I can try and woo this bitch Portia who's very wealthy. And Antonio's like, I would love – are you looking at your fo- – oh, you're looking at the chart. Um, I for- <laughs> you're so mean. No, I was confused. I thought – I was like – did I thought there was, like, a news update or something. Um, no, I'm literally – I was like, I'm trying – I'm really trying very hard to follow What's your along. phone case? What's your phone case? Oh, well, because um, it was Harry Potter before. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. And then you gave me the shark pop socket, so I thought, like, blue glitter would be cute I like with it. that. I like, didn't want to see Harry Potter anymore, because J.K. Rowling's a turf. Okay, let's get back to it. My pop socket's a little moo, man. Oh, cute. Anyway, so... Uh, Antonio's like, I would love to do that, but I don't have any money, bitch. Like, any money. And he's like, you know what? He's like, go 
to Scott, what's his name? Hold on. Go to, I've already forgotten this fucker's name. Go to Shylock, this money lender, and ask for money. And, and like the a compensation on the loan will be the worth of my ships. When they get back, I will like use some of the money to pay off that loan from my ships. <laughs> Shylock is his dad? No, Shylock's a money lender. But in parentheses, it says something next to what you sent me, Shylock, and it looks like it says dad. Yeah, but it it then, um, from Antonio, it says owes money to Shylock on that arrow. Shylock okay. is only the dad of Jessica. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, so... Um, uh, Bassanio is like, it sounds great. Then we cut over to Portia, the girl that Bassanio wants to marry. And okay. she's in Belmont. That's somewhere else. They're in Venice. I tried to... Cool. Thanks for this. Okay, great. I tried to draw a thing at the bottom to show, like, where they went, because there's three locations. It didn't turn out well, so don't really look... That's, that's less helpful and just kind of looks like a vagina, but thank you. Oh, you're right. Yeah, don't look right. at that. Well, I mean, I think you need to post it on the Instagram. My ex-boyfriend really could have used this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, find my Venice. Let me tell you. For real, though. I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, um, we cut to Portia, and she is with her maid, Narissa. They are very gay, but we'll get to that. So they're talking about her suitors. Portia's dad has made a very fucking ridiculous challenge for who can be Portia's husband. They have he has three caskets. One is made of gold, one is made of silver, one is made of lead. And he's like, one of these is the correct casket. And the suitor who picks the correct casket will marry Portia. What? I'm dead. Like a Grimm's fairy tale. I mean, it's actually based on the fairy tale The Fly, which is a German fairy tale by... Hold on, I have it right here. Hold on, hold the phone. Let me pull it up. Um, I forget who it's... Uh, God, what's his name? No, Italian. It's an Italian fairy tale by... Hold on. You know, I don't care. No, but I want the listeners to know, because this is interesting. They don't care either. Um, wow. You stopped caring, like, 45 minutes ago. You're such a bitch about our own podcast. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, whatever. It's based on the Italian fairy tale, The Fly. Um... But yeah, so there he's like, they got to pick the right one. So uh, she's bitching to her maid about how much she like, doesn't give a fuck about these suitors. And Narissa's like, yeah, they suck. And then she's like, you know, Bassanio was tolerable. I guess I could fuck with him. But he doesn't have a lot of money. And he's like back in Venice. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen. My Tinder radius like isn't set that far. And Narissa's like, yeah, I feel you, bitch. It's tough times. Um, So then... We cut back to Bassanio in Venice, and he is going to Sky- Shylock, the moneylender. And this is where the first really problematic element of this play comes into, comes into play. Um, Shylock is Jewish, and his daughter's Jewish, and everyone else in the play is Christian, and there is hella anti-Semitism in this play. 
Shakespeare was Catholic. Uh, Shakespeare was a hidden Catholic because it was illegal to be Catholic at that time. Catholics um, got tortured publicly by Queen Elizabeth. They were often disemboweled in the street on Sundays as a form of entertainment. Um, But so like that was a thing. But um, Shakespeare was also a known anti-Semite. Uh, I mean, I guess even just the fact that Shylock is uh, that the only Jewish character is the money lender. Yeah, but don't worry. Other fucked up shit gets said. Don't worry. It it gets worse? uh, It gets a lot worse, yeah. So Let's do it. Yeah, so Bassanio goes to him and he's like, yo, could I have my... Oh, I forgot to tell you. Portia, when she's bitching to Nerissa about guys, she says... I am glad this parcel of wooers are so reasonable, for there is not one among them, but I dote on his very absence, and I pay, I pray God grant them a fair departure. She's basically like, yeah, they're fine, but like, I hope they all fuck off, because I don't want to marry a man. That's what I'm going to call men wooers from now on. I think you should, honestly. Hey, I'm talking about this really hot wooer. You want to see his Tinder profile? Hell yeah. So now we cut back. Uh, to Venice, Bassanio's going to Shylock, and he's like, yo, can I get some money, and, like, your, like, your compensation for the loan will be on Antonio's expected ships, and Shylock's like, I fucking hate Antonio, because he's an open anti-Semite, and Antonio's there to, like, back Bassanio up, and he's like, come on, Shylock, like, whatever, it's fine, like, I'm not an anti-Semite, and then Shylock says, Signor Antonio, many a time and oft in the relato, you have rated me about my monies and my uses. Still have I borne it with a patient shrug, for sufferance is the badge of all our tribe. You call me misbeliever, cutthroat dog, and spit upon my Jewish gabardine, and all for use of that which is mine own. Well then, it now appears you need my help. And then he later says... Faith, sir, you spit on me on Wednesday last. You spurned me such a day another time. You called me dog, and for these courtesies, I guess I'll lend you much monies. He's saying, like, now you want money after you said all that shit? And then he goes on to say... And they're all basically kept being like, I mean, we didn't mean it. Like, and he's like, expressed in the condition, let the, um, oh, sorry. So they're like, we didn't mean it. So then Shylock is like, okay, I'll give you the money. And you have three months. They're like digging up his old tweets. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, it's uh, what a timely conversation we had at the beginning of this. Uh, except like they're still planned. Except they're still anti-Semitic. They did not learn. And these are things he said last week. It's not like this was years ago. He's literally like three days ago, you spit in my face and said, fuck you, you dumb Jew. Like, so (laughs) what I'm translating. Um, It was funny. That's why I left. Hey, Plus, y'all, we're an eighth of Jewish, so. Okay. Um, and so, we're not Jewish because it didn't pass down maternally. It ha- no, it all has to be, because it was mom's, it was Nana's paternal grandmother. It would only count if it was Nana's maternal grandmother. It has to, all of the lineage has to be women. No, I think it was Nana's mom. Because it's our great-grandmother. That's why we're an eighth. Otherwise, it wouldn't be 
an eighth, it would be a 16th. It has to always be maternal though. Like, no, I think her mom, no, I think her mom got it then from the paternal side. Like it was the mom's dad that was Jewish. So it was. No, her mother was German Jewish. I'm telling you right now, we're not Jewish. Nana was half Jewish. Mom was. Mom. Mom loves to say we're things so that mom can can claim shit that's not ours. I'm not well You know okay. you know that's true. Okay, okay. Mom wow. is the kind of person who will be like, Catholics are oppressed, and it's like, no, we're not. <laughs> like Yeah. And she'll be like, Well, in the sixties, like, are we in the sixties now? <laughs> like No, we're not Jewish. I forget something, but it's like it didn't. I, I I'll have to check this later. But it's something where like it always has to be the maternal line the well, whole way no, through. That is, that is a that is a thing. I mean, it depends on on how conservative you are. Because if you're an extremely liberal Jew, then you don't care about those rules and stuff. And because you know, like like um, Hasidic. Orthodox Jews, like mm-hmm. really, really, really conservative Jews, don't even think that people should be allowed to convert. You know, I know, yeah. So, nothing about like, us is Jewish, like absolutely nothing. Like we have never observed anything Jewish, like culture-wise. Like, yeah, we learned about Hanukkah growing up and like celebrated it a few years, kind of, because we were kids who wanted to learn. But like. We're not Jewish. We don't look Jewish. Nothing about us is Jewish. I've never even set foot in a synagogue. Like, I have. I know, because you married a Jew. No, that's not. It was when I was a kid. I know, but you also married a Jew. Yeah, but I never went to They don't go to synagogue. And she's also divorcing him, but it's not because he's Jewish. Just so that everyone knows. That was one of the highlights. Passover was awesome. Isn't there wine gross or something, though? Yeah, but then I found out that, like, yeah, that's the wine. I was talking to somebody else who's Jewish, and, like, yeah, the that's, like, traditionally what the wine is supposed to be, but apparently, like, nobody uses that wine because it's gross. Because yeah, a lot of Jews hate Manischewitz. Yeah. They, I forget what it's called. He was like, you mean they use the actual, what? but, yeah, it tastes, it, it was so sweet. I think, but, like, I think. Communion wine, because um, it's like a special kind of red wine that literally like fucking monks and priests grow on their Catholic vineyards. I think communion wine is so good. I had the, mom got because, this because it's blood. Yeah, um, mom got this wine once in her wine box that comes, um, and she had said it was when they were gone RVing last summer, and she was like, "Yeah, you can drink any of the wine that comes in the box." And I just picked, I pick wine uh, because I'm not a big drinker and I pick wine, but what bottle I think looks the prettiest. And I thought this bottle looked cool. So I drank out of it, uh, not the bottle. I just drank the wine and I was like, wow, this tastes like communion wine. And so like me and Andrew and that guy I dated last summer, I'm sorry. You told me to stop referencing him by that stupid nickname on the podcast. Um, We drank pretty much the whole bottle in one night because we were like this is so good and then mom came home and was like i can't believe y'all drank the most expensive bottle in this she was like i don't even remember it was like a 30 dollar bottle of wine and we had this tragic and that's not that expensive for a wine she acts like it is (laughs) because we're usually buying her 12 dollar bottles of wine 
It's whatever. Um, I almost never drink wine. And I and then I spent a long time trying to find wine that tasted like communion wine. And I couldn't I couldn't really find any. So I tried to buy communion wine and you, you can't really do that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't think so. What if, what if you just do like one of those quizzes? They they ask you questions about like what flavors you prefer for other things. I would have no idea how to do like I don't like flavors no, of wine mean nothing to me. They they add, they do it for you. That's exactly what oh, I'm. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate, and then they'll be like, "Do you prefer these berries or these berries?" Okay. And then Did you ever? scientists or something what was the most trash wine you drank in college mine was arbor mist we drank arbor mist. yeah man boxed arbor mist. oh i wasn't that trash when i was trash though in this way i went to my freshman year i went to a college i went to a catholic college in pennsylvania and four locos are legal in pennsylvania and we oh, drink we never had four locos. They taste like um when if you like drink a lot and then you vomited and like the way alcohol oh, tastes when oh, you vomit it up, that's what four loco oh. tastes like. But it was two for four dollars and it's the equivalent of um I think it's like uh three beers and three energy drinks. And so we drank those all the time. They were disgusting. We'd let them, we'd like let them, we would save them. Like if we didn't finish one, like, cause like, you know, like me and another girl could share. Oh no, it was the equivalent of five beers and five energy drinks. So me and this, me and this, yeah, they could kill you. That's why they're illegal in a lot of states. Yeah. Yeah. They're illegal. Uh, we almost took someone to the emergency room one night cause he passed out face forward in the woods. Um, us Catholics know how to party. And uh, he, and so, like, we would, uh, like, wake up hangover before statistics class on Monday morning, and we'd have some leftover, and, like, it was flat, because, like, it's a fizzy drink, and we'd drink it flat to help get over our hangover. I was a trash person my freshman year of college. Like, I, I mean, I'm still kind of trash, uh, but, like, what, I was a fucking garbage fire um, freshman year. I used to do Everclear Jello shots. So it's okay. I had a flashback to freshman year the other day because mom was going through the movies on demand in the kitchen and I was like helping her pick one. And I saw House of a Thousand Corpses come up under the horror category. And I hate that movie. Um, And I watched it freshman year because this girl I was friends with really liked it. But we were really drunk and really high. And um, no, no, no. And so at one point, this certain scene happened and I went, I'll be right back. And it was super calm. And they were like, you want us to pause it? And I was like, no, I'll just be right back. And they were like, okay. And I was gone for maybe like 15 minutes. And I come back in. And like someone was in, we were in her basement. And someone was in the bathroom. So I went outside onto the steps. And then I came back in. And they were like, "What? Ha- where'd you go? And I said, oh, I threw up a lot. And then I smoked a cigarette because I used to be a smoker too. Um, and they were like, oh, okay. And like everyone was so drunk and high that like no one even registered that. Um, and then the next, and then- Well, we all forgot that I did that. And then the next morning we saw the throw up outside and I was like, that's my bad, everybody. (laughs) What's hilarious is like that story would work with me and my friends just me sober because I have such a sensitive stomach. You would see House of a Thousand Corpses sober and be like, no. (laughs) I wouldn't even, we could be watching the Spongebob movie and I could just be like, yeah, I don't know if something in the wind is. (laughs) I'm like sitting here and I'm like, am I misremembering the Spongebob what happened like you looked at David Hasselhoff's face and we're like ew I just throw up 
frequently. Have you ever, have you, I remember Andrew and I, um, like I do hate gore and I'm, I'm not as bothered by it as I used to be, but like, yeah, body horror is tacky to me. Um, I think it's a cheap plot device to be scary when there's nothing else in the merits of the writing. And Although, I watched American Mary recently, which is technically body horror, but I've never seen it done like that before. Well, you didn't, you didn't look away during Midsummer either. And I did. And like, you were like, don't look yet. And, um, cause like yeah, that's, and it doesn't scare me. I just hate looking at it. Cause then it just stays in my memory. And I'm like, Oh, like an Oculus when he ripped off his fingernail, I was like, Oh, I'm out. No, thank you. And, I, I don't know. There's some things that, that gets me. And I remember Andrew and I, we watched the first saw and then he was like, he had seen it already and you know, nothing gross happens in that really. And then, uh, we went to watch the second saw and within the first scene, this guy has like a bear trap around his head and the key is behind the keys behind his eye. And that first scene happened and Andrew and I went, no, and we turned it off. I watched a fresh, no, senior year of college on Halloween. My friend at the time, we, her and I, we watched the collection, which is made by the same guy. Whoa. The, have you seen that? That's fucking gross. That's, I don't think I've seen any of his movies. Don't watch that. I, I like, the Saw movies got absurd. I've seen, like, there was an Honest trailer for the Saw movies, and they did, like, a little joke, like, uh, montage of how gross they got, and they blurred a lot out. But even what they did show, there was one shot of, like, someone lands in a pile of, like, used heroin needles. Well, yeah. What? Yeah. I didn't see that movie. Oh, that's traumatizing in my brain. Have you ever seen any of the Final Destinations? No, I hate. I don't. I, yeah, I saw like. I saw the I one. Theater for 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 most of the Saw movies and most of the Final Destination movies. I was working at the movie theater, mm-hmm. so I've seen enough of them to know I don't like to see them because I've walked through. Yeah, those movies I've, I've seen memories from all of them, and I did not like it. Like a few months ago, uh, several months ago, I said to Andrew, "I like my car really needed to be washed," and I was like, "Which car wash do you go to?" And he told me, and I said, "I get really nervous about going to the car wash." And mom went, "Why?" And Andrew went oh because of Final Destination and I was like mm-hmm. and mom was like what the fuck are you two talking about and I'm like Final Destination 4 mom I think that's the one where they all get killed by water in some way and there's no <laughs> okay I'll stop anyway back to the play so 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 Shylock says he'll lend the money but instead of and he says you have three months to pay it back but instead of interest as like kind of a joke he says if you don't pay it back because he thinks they will like Shylock does believe they'll pay it back so as a joke he says instead of interest if you don't pay this back you have to give me a pound of your flesh yeah the cover of this play do you see whoa that's metal yeah so um he says, really dope. Let me see it again. Yeah. Whose artwork is that? These are my favorite editions. They're the Pelican Shakespeare. I don't know if it says who the art is. Hold on, wait. Uh, Stephen Orgel. I also, yeah, I get these editions a lot because I really like how they look. Like, this is my edition for Midsummer. That is so cool. Uh, those should be like framed yeah i have set they do sell art prints i have like a t-shirt for the cover of this for um the romeo and juliet cover which is two caskets and one of the caskets has a knife and one has poison wait what was his name Stephen? what orgel they're this pelican shakespeare if you look that up orgel 
I think that's who they're saying did it. Hold on. Let me look. I don't know if that, I mean, maybe that's who it is. Oh, no, it's des- designed by Virginia Nori, I think. I don't know. Look up Pelican Shakespeare. Anyway, can I get back to this? Yeah. Okay, so he says, um, Shylock says to them, expressed in the condition, let the forfeit be nominated for an equal pound of your fair flesh to be cut off and taken in what part of your body pleaseth me. Oh, and Antonio, oh. yeah, and Antonio said, because this means Antonio's whole dick. Yes. So this means he's saying because and because the money is like because even though Bessonio is getting in the money, the repayment is based on the return of Antonio's ships. So the flesh will come from Antonio. So if Bassanio doesn't pay this back, then his best friend is going to lose a pound of flesh to this guy that they hate because they're anti-Semites. Okay. And Antonio says, content in faith, I'll seal to such a bond and say there is much kindness in the Jew. So, wow. Yeah, he's a dick. Um, yeah, like that's the quote they have on the back too. And where thou now exacts the penalty, which is a pound of this poor merchant's flesh. Um, oh, I thought you meant the Jew one at first. And I was like, that's a weird choice. No, no, no. <laughs> so then, um, let me look here. Okay, so then uh, we flash to another place, and Shylock's servant, Lancelot, not Lancelot, Lancelot. Okay. He really hates working for Shylock, because they really just want to drive home how much Shakespeare hated Jewish people. And he wants a new boss. So he, this is a very pointless plot point. It's so pointless to even be in here. And he says, he convinces Antonio to hire him and Antonio's like sure and then we learned that Antonio has a friend named Lorenzo who wants to marry Shylock's daughter Jessica but Shylock won't allow that because obviously his daughter Jessica is Jewish and Lorenzo is Christian so um uh, who's not it? what who's not allowing it Shylock, because he's Jewish, his daughter's Jewish. So Antonio, um, Antonio and Bassanio are about to head out on a ship to Belmont to to meet with Portia, the girl that um, Bassanio wants to marry and took the loan out to be able to woo. And Antonio gives Launcelot, who is his new servant, but used to be Shylock's servant, a letter and says, we're about to leave, but give that to Lorenzo because it's a plan I have made up for him and Jessica to elope. And Lancelot's like, you got it, bitch. And that's all Lancelot is there for. It's very pointless. Like a letter could have just shown up from a fucking messenger to Lorenzo. We didn't need this whole side thing, but it's there because Shakespeare overpopulated his place and had no editor. So he got to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Even in your chart here, Lancelot's just kind of like stuck on the bottom. Yeah, he serves no point. It's so stupid. So then the next day, uh, the gang, um, uh, Antonio and Bassanio and their friend Garanzio, who's also just thrown in for no real reason, um, they head out to Belmont to meet up with Portia. I first read it as Gisanio. I mean, sure. Um, so then um stop and so then so um shut up so then so then so then shut up so then the next day the next 
I'm gonna. I quit. So then the next day, uh, quit your fire. The next day, Shylock is pissed because he's learned that Jessica and Lorenzo have eloped. Oh, and Jessica has converted to Christianity. So, oh wow, fast. So that's a big no-no. And she stole a. Take classes or something? Doesn't it take a minute? I don't know. I don't like whatever. But well, she's planning to convert. Whatever she wants to convert. She's like fuck Judaism, and she took a ton of money from her dad. She stole a ton of money, and he's like, oh, this bitch. And he's like, fuck the Christians. And so then we cut back over to Portia in Belmont, and she's telling uh, Nerissa how much she is not impressed with these suitors. But she basically says to Narissa, like, these guys suck, and I will now tell you in great detail why they all suck. And Narissa's like, go off. And so she, there's like three pages of Portia giving these monologues where she goes into great detail why each of these suitors is trash. And Narissa's like, yes, queen. And uh, then they start getting a little flirty. And then they're like, yo, Bassanio's here. And she's like, oh, great, that's the one uh, head heterosexual man I can tolerate so let's go and so then uh hold on hold on okay so then we cut back to Shylock and he learns that Jessica and Lorenzo are in Genoa and they are blowing through his cash and he's like damn these Christians they don't they're not good with money I hate them then we cut back to Belmont with Bassanio. Wow, confusing. I can't, I'm trying to even picture the staging of this. And so they cut back, and Bassanio chooses the right casket. And you were judging my flashback. We're jumping back and forth all over the damn map. It's like a sitcom. Usually when they do a Shakespeare play like this, is one side of the stage is one location and one is the other. And, um... Now, in modern adaptations, I'm, I don't know how they did this back then without electricity, but modern adaptations, they will just have a spotlight, and so one half of the stage, the spotlight comes on, and so they they make it clear by the staging, which places which, and it's actually, because when I saw Cymbeline um, at Shakespeare in the Park, they did that, and it was it was pretty easy to follow where they were, because they just did the spotlights. Um and right. or they'll have like one set piece that like really dictates where they are. I saw a production of Macbeth where they did that and it made it pretty clear where everybody because Macbeth changes locations a lot. Um so usually like it's hard for me like to explain it now, but when you see it, these like there is usually depending on the director, like most plays I've seen where there is a lot of locations in the Shakespearean play, they do a pretty good job of making it clear like this part of the stage is this place and this part is this place. Okay. The way that like a, the way that like sitcoms do like those stupid B roll things to tell you where they've changed location to, you know what I mean? Right. Like Friends would show yeah. you the outside of their apartment, and you're like, oh, that's where they yeah. are. So they would help us into thinking that Seinfeld and How I Met Your Mother were filmed in New York when they were both filmed in L.A. Yes. So. Um, so Bassanio, he has money. He's like, he's like, which shows he's a good, stable contender. And the dad's like, well, you got to pick the right casket. Uh, and and he does the right casket is lead, not gold or silver. I don't know. 
I didn't reread this for this, um, so I don't remember if they make it clear. I don't think they do. I think it's to show, because Portia's really wealthy, so I think it's to show that they're, like, not after her wealth. Okay. Do they explain it in the fairy tale it's based on? Um, well, the fairy tale it's based on, uh, it, it's just based on having to make a stupid guess to win and so the or no it's not called the fly it's called the flea and real quick this is what happens in that fairy tale and there's a movie adaptation of this and two other fairy tales by this guy and it's crazy and the flea is this king he gets this flea and i forget and he gives it like a magic potion or something and the flea grows to huge sizes like as big as our dog amy it's fucking huge and it's his friend and he loves it because he's insane and then the flea dies and so his, it sounds like one of my summaries but I know and his daughter really wants to get married and he doesn't want her to get married so he devises this really stupid thing where he has the, the dead flea the giant dead flea he has it skinned and then he has the skin hung up and he says whoever can guess what that is the hide of can marry her and so all these people are coming in they're trying to guess what it's the hide of nobody can get it then there's a gross violent ogre comes in and he guesses and so instead of being like I was kidding the king then gives his daughter away to this ogre the ogre drags her back to his cave and rapes her she's on a cliffside and then one day on the opposite cliffside she sees these circus performers and she's like you gotta help me I'm the princess I'm prisoner and they're like okay we'll come back tomorrow they come back tomorrow they put a tightrope across and the tightrope walker goes across and gets her and then they're almost free but the ogre catches up to them and he kills all the circus performers and then she almost gets away and the ogre comes back and finds her and he's like really violent and then she's like really gentle and sweet and tricks him into trusting her and then she slits his throat and then she beheads him and then she goes back to her father's court and she's like bloody and beaten and she has a bag and she opens it and she dumps out the ogre's head and she goes this is the husband you chose for me father and the dad's like sobbing and then she gets to be the queen because everyone's like the king's unfit wow <laughs> And there's this really good movie adaptation of, it's like an anthology adaptation of that and two other of this guy's fairy tales called Tall Tale that I think is still on Netflix. And like, and like John C. Riley is in it. And it's so good. Like, it's, it's crazy. The Italians turned out, they didn't come to fuck around. Like, and so just the... And so the trope of, like, the dad giving the suitor a stupid challenge came from that fairy tale. Okay. So anyway, back to this. Um, <laughs> this episode is sporadic as fuck. So... It just gets worse every time. I mean... I'm just progressively getting more absurd with what I pick. So... What number is this? What number are we on? Like, 14, I think. Oh, damn. Yeah, so then Bassanio gets to marry Portia, and his friend Grisanio asks to marry the maid Nerissa. And Portia and Nerissa are like, this is a good setup. It, like, we'll have friendship beards together. Um, so then... Friendship beards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not friendship bracelets, friendship beards. Yep. So then we find out that Antonio's ships have indeed been lost at sea, which means he's fucked. And then... Uh -huh. 
Shylock finds out that Antonio arranged the entire thing for Lorenzo to elope with his daughter, Jessica. So he blames him. And so the three months are pretty much up and he's like, fuck it, bitch. I want my pound of flesh. Even though he originally said that as a joke, like he totally didn't mean it. He was just dicking around to be like, haha, you dumb fuck. Now he's like, you know what? No, we made a contract. Fuck you. I want a pound of flesh. We're going to court. And so, and so, um, Grisanio and Antonio and Bassanio are like, we got to get back to Venice. We got to work this out. After they leave, Nerissa and Portia are like, we got a plan. We'll go too. And we'll disguise ourselves as men and we'll be their lawyers. And they won't even know it's us because like, they are like, Oh, we want to help. And they're like, you're women. You can't help. And they're like, these idiots are going to get themselves killed. We got to go help. And they say, Portia says, come on, Narissa. I have work in hand that you yet know not of. We'll see our husbands before they think of us. And she says, shall they see us? And Portia says, they shall Narissa, but in such a habit that they shall think we are accomplished with that we lack, which means like they'll think we're men because they think women are dumb. And she says some more stuff. And then she says, and speak between the change of man. That's such a great summary of, of a Shakespeare monologue. And she said some more stuff. Because <laughs> he overwrote everything. This man was in dire need of an editor. So then uh, she says, Portia continues, and she says, and speak between the change of man and boy with a reed voice and turn to mincing steps into a manly stride and speak a phrase like a fine bragging youth and tell quaint lies how honorable ladies sought my love. And Nerissa says, why shall we turn to men? And Portia says, Fie, what a question is that, if thou wert near a lewd interpreter. But come, I'll tell thee all my whole device when I am in my coach, which stays for us at the park gate, and therefore haste away, for we must measure 20 miles today. So she's basically like, we'll team up, we'll be a baller guy couple. And when she says, like, I'll tell of how many women sought my love, like, that's like a nod to, like, Nerissa and her are in love. So... They're like, let's go. And so they suit on up in their drag um, because literally everyone was so blinded by gender norms back then that women put on pants and a hat and everyone was like, a man. And Shakespeare did that often to comment on how stupid gender roles were. Like that was a well-known thing that he did. And so like in Twelfth Night and Cymbeline, uh, it was a common thing. So now we cut back to Venice. Shylock and Antonio and Bassanio and Grisanio, they're in court. The Duke of Venice is the judge over this court. And the Duke's kind of like, I don't know what to do with this case because this is weird as fuck. And then the lawyers show up. The lawyers are Nerissa and Portia. And everyone thinks they're dudes because everyone's dumb as fuck. They're like, well, they're wearing pants and a hat. Must be a guy. And Portia says her name is Balthazar. That's her male name. That's okay. That's almost as ridiculous as Talladega. It really is. <laughs> so she comes in and is like, "Have mercy! This is absurd." And the judge is like, "I don't know. That's not legally a good enough argument. They did legally agree to this." And and Shylock is like, "No, fuck it. Fuck these Christians. I am a Jew, and Shakespeare decided Jews are evil. So I want a pound of flesh." And so everyone's kind of panicking because they're like, "Wow, he's gonna bleed out and die." And then Portia finds this really stupid loophole, and she says, "Well, the contract says that Shylock was owed a pound." 
of flesh, but not a single drop of blood. And if you take a pound of flesh, then Antonia will bleed out. And Shylock is not owed blood, and he is not owed a life. So there's no way you can take the... She was like, unless you can find a way to take a pound of Antonio's flesh without also taking his blood, you are breaking the law of your own contract, and it proves you conspired to murder this merchant. And the Duke... And the Duke, it's like in it's like in Miracle on 34th Street where the Duke is kind of just like desperately looking for a legal reason to say fuck this. And then in Miracle on 34th Street, they have all the letters delivered to Chris Kringle to prove he's Santa. And he's like, oh, yeah, this federal organization acknowledged that he's Santa. So, OK, he is. We're done. So the Duke was just looking for any reason he could say this is absurd. And Portia comes out with this ridiculous thing. And he's like, all right, sounds good. Like That's what we're doing. You can't have a pound of flesh. And then he's like, you you did you conspired to kill him and the duke is christian also so he also wants any reason to punish a jewish person and so he says yeah because you conspired then to kill antonio by wanting a pound of his flesh you must uh become a christian and you must give up all your treasures and money to antonio and bassanio what yeah mm-hmm. this is so stupid yeah it really is um like, I'm sorry. No, I, it's really funny, though. All the comedies are dumb. That's the point. Is Shakespeare wrote absurdist comedy. Yeah, it's absurd. Like, I read a Midsummer Night's Dream. I read a Midsummer Night's Dream the other day for the first time since we're doing our live reading this Friday, and I was cracking up the whole time. I was like, why is everyone just going to sleep in the middle of the woods? Like, it's broad daylight, and everyone's like, well let's just lay down here in the middle of the forest and it's like stop doing that it's not panning out for anybody (laughs) yeah people don't really learn from their mistakes in his place no um it really shows what he thought of his friends um so (laughs) (laughs) so antonio uh says he doesn't want his half of the money he wants to put in a trust for lorenzo so that him and jessica can have like money to start off their new life because jessica spent all her dad's money turning up basically in genoa so then Baz and Grisanio thank the lawyers, who they do not know are their wives, Portia and Nerissa. And I forgot to say earlier, I always forget something, that Portia and Nerissa had each given um, their new husbands uh, a ring of theirs, because it was common to give them like a token of your love. And they had both made them promise, never give these rings away for any reason. And they were like, you got it, babe, never. Um and, and that was also, like, because they're both poor, that was a way to show, like, also promise you're not in this for our money. So that, because Portia and Arissa are having so much fun fucking with these men. They're like, we just won this case for them. They would have died without us. Like, men are so stupid. Um, straight people are so stupid. And so they, when they're like, oh, thank you, these lawyers, how can we ever help you? How can we ever repay you, rather? They're like, you can repay us with those really nice rings you're wearing. And they're like, no, 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 no. And Antonio, who also doesn't know these lawyers are Portia and Narissa in drag. It's like, guys, like, they did us a huge service. Like, they saved me from being killed. Just give them the rings. And they're like, okay, sure. And they give them the rings. And Portia and Narissa are like, oh, we are going to make them feel so shitty about that later. So then Portia and Narissa are like, okay, we got to hop on a boat back to Belmont because we got to beat them home so they don't know we ever left. 
I kind of love this. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for this. No, I love this play. I think it's so funny because of Portia and Narissa. So Portia and Narissa, they like race. They get on a boat. They get back to Belmont. And when they get there, like Lorenzo and Jessica are there turning up, straight vibing. They're like, what up, guys? And they're like, don't tell the guys when they get back what we did. And they're like, okay, we will. It's like a fucking sitcom. It's absurd. It's hilarious. So then the husbands get back. And Portia and Narissa are like, you're not wearing our rings what the fuck did you give them to other women and they're like no we paid these lawyers and then they're like haha psych we were the lawyers we told you guys you needed our help you're welcome you'd be dead without us damn and then and then antonio ships do show up and this could have been avoided if they'd waited like one more day what if they had waited to go to court one more day none of this would have happened um and then the couples all plan to like just have a celebration about their marriages the end cool okay so now katie and i now katie and i will rate this on the richter scale about how well or how poorly it aged over time i am gonna just go first from now on because since i read these ahead of time i literally started breaking down what how many points i give to each problem i think there is So I gave this uh, 1.5 for queer baiting because obviously this couldn't be openly gay in the 16th century, but it's still, regardless, it still ages bad that that was done. Yeah. Um, I give it 3.1 for the uh, blatant treatment of women as property. Um, And then I give it 3.2 for anti-Semitism. So on a scale of 0 to 10, I gave The Merchant of Venice a 7.8. Like, I... I mean, I love this play. I think it's really funny, but I'm not going to pretend that it isn't blatantly offensive and blatantly... I mean, like, Shakespeare was a sexist. Like, he was this weird mix of, like, he wanted to comment on gender norms and everything, but he still did see women as much lesser than men. Like, he was a brilliant progressive person who did write some very progressive female characters, but he still wasn't, like, a feminist of his time or anything. Like, he definitely thought, like, gender norms were oppressive, but he still didn't think women were equal to men in any way. And he was a huge anti-Semite. And obviously he had to queer code his things because he couldn't be overt about it. But he could have been more overt than he was because, as I've shown in this podcast, like, other people were bold enough to come out and... And regardless of the time period, you know, it still ages bad, regardless of how it was okay at the time. So, yeah, I love this play. It's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. I think it's hilarious. Like, if you see it performed, it's very funny. It's just, it's still incredibly problematic. I'm not going to pretend. It's it's not like Hamlet, where I think it ages pretty perfectly. There's so much wrong with the merge. It is so offensive. It's like a Family Guy episode. And I love it. <laughs> And I love Family Guy. We all know I think Family Guy's hilarious, but whenever someone's like, oh, Family Guy's so offensive, I'm like, I'm aware. I think, yeah, now one thing point. I will say is I think Shakespeare was well aware of how offensive he made this. I don't think he was under any guise that what he was doing was going to be seen as like politically correct by everyone, because that was a big complaint at the time, how offensive his comedies were. And so I would say if you want to read Shakespeare, but you are easily offended, don't read the comedies because most of them are just blatantly offensive. Even that's the thing is this was offensive at the time. 
that's why I'm saying it aged so bad is because it wasn't even good. Like it wasn't even okay to begin with. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I love it, but I'm not going to pretend it was okay. Um, yeah, the queer coding is bad or queer baiting. Mm-hmm. Both. Um, the anti-Semitism stuff really bothers me. Oh yeah, that's not good. It's probably his most, I would say, I haven't read all of his plays yet, but out of all the ones I've read, this is the most openly anti-Semitic play. Yeah, that's not chill, and um, I don't feel like thinking too hard, and I need to outdo you, so I'm going to give it a 7.9. All right. We love to see it. Um, so now, Katie, what segment are we up to? See Flama! Hell yeah! So this is where we answer your questions. Classic fault lines, ask me anything. So we have some questions that were submitted. You can submit your question by emailing us at classicfaultlines at gmail.com if you'd like us to answer your question in an episode. Katie, do you want to go first and ask? Uh, tell us what question you got? Actually, I think you should go first. Okay, you're being weird. I don't know why you made that face. So, (laughs) our question comes from Kat, who was in our Carmilla episode. Kat is a virtual Shakespearean actor there in our Bard Book Club, where we do a live Shakespeare reading every month. If you go to Bard underscore book on Twitter and Instagram, you can see everything about the readings we do. At the time that this comes out, we will be covering... Henry the fourth part two but we've already done a lot so if you you know want to do more Shakespeare um and they're very funny in all of the readings um they said which classic that we've covered would you want to live in if you had to pick one to live in um do you already have an answer no I'm thinking about it right oh. now I can cut um, out the, the us thinking um can we think while I pee because I like really have to pee me too. Okay, I'm okay. I'm pausing. Okay, so uh, do you want to go first with your answer? Sure. So I was thinking about it. Well, can you read the question again? Like, which classic would you want to live in? I'm um, sorry. Let me say that again. Prancer shook her collar. Which classic that we've covered would you want to live in? And the way I'm seeing this is like you don't have to live the main character's life. You just right. get to live in the world in which the classic takes place. Okay. Well, because I'm thinking like. We, I mean, it's not like we've done any high fantasy where there's a totally different world. We did one. Um, we did portal fantasy. Well, yeah, but that's not the same thing. But let me finish. Um, and I don't know that I would want to live in any of these time periods. I know. That's why this is a tough choice. So I'm just going to put that aside and not even think about the time period because it's going to be shittier, shitty wherever I go. Uh-huh. Um, at first, I was hesitant to say Alice in Wonderland, but I'm going to go with Alice in Wonderland because, you know what, I could use a little... I think I think, I think you would thrive in Wonderland. I really... No, I'm so... I'm so serious. I'm so, I think you would do great. I really do. I think you could have a wonderful life there. Um, um, yeah. I, well, I mean, I wouldn't go there forever, but I, it would be nice to be able to pop in and out when I need a you break would, from all that. You would still thrive. Whenever you went, you would thrive. I really believe that. Okay. Thank you. That means a lot. You're so welcome. Do you want to know my answer? I do. Uh, that's all I want to know. <laughs> I uh, would live in Jane Eyre because I want to marry Mr. Rochester. 
okay. That's it. I considered Alice in Wonderland, but, like, I'm so attracted to Mr. Rochester. So that just had to – like, sorry, Jane, um, but I'm more of a catch than her. If you listen to that – like, I don't need a veil because I'm not ugly. uh, So, like, I can do everything she can do, and I'm pretty. So, like, honestly – yeah, but isn't he blind at the end? So it doesn't matter. Yeah, but he'd still see me to begin with. Oh, okay. I mean, I would beat her to the governess job. Like, I would get it before her. Like, she wouldn't even she wouldn't even get to get to the place because I get there ahead of her. Because I already know the story. So when I like blue skidoo into the book, I can beat her to it. Because I'm assuming that's how we get in these stories is blue skidoo. You remember blue skidoo? Of course. I'm just making sure. So, that's it for the podcast today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. And uh, anything else you want to say, Katie? Wait, don't I ask a question? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. I kept forgetting. Never mind anything I just said. Let me take a breath. Okay. Katie, <laughs> what is the question you have for us? Okay, so this is going to be different. Who's it from? Um, this is from uh, Bruce, and he wants to know our. He wants advice. He wants our opinion. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. What is um, it? His neighbor asked if he could use if he could have his Wi-Fi password. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that. So he lives. He lives in an apartment, and the guy, um, was either above or below him. I forget which. And he just moved in like a month ago, and apparently he brought Bruce cookies and was like, hey, here's some cookies, I just moved in, hi neighbor, ha ha ha, and Bruce is like, oh cool, cookies, yay. Uh, and then, later the guy's like, hey, can I get your Wi-Fi password just for a little bit, I've been using a hotspot. Um, but he doesn't know the guy, and uh, he doesn't know how long he wants to use it for, and... His face, this is an important detail that he included. His Facebook profile picture is him standing by a puddle with a sword. Um, I, because uh, I just, I'm too generous and just give people things. Um, so I would say, when do you think you're going to get your own Wi-Fi? Can I have a time frame? And then, um say whatever you know whatever uh, the guy says say he's like a few like three weeks i'd be like okay and then after three weeks i would just change the password yeah would you tell him that you were going to change the password like tell him at that time like hey just so you know in three weeks i'm going to change the password then uh just at three weeks be like hey i can't be letting you use the wi-fi for much longer i changed the password Honestly, I would change it and not tell him and then probably avoid ever talking to him again. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it's not like a big apartment building. Well, yeah, if I saw him and he brought it up, I'd be like, well, I told you three weeks. Like, you don't even got to tell him. Or just say, no, you're fucking weird. Or or just right now never talk to him again. Because I feel like if he's asking us this, he's, you know, if he's questioning it, then he's already not comfortable. So, like... Just never tell him again, and I must never talk to him again if you can help it. And I'm assuming your door has a peephole, so like obviously look through that when people knock. And if he knocks and it's him, don't answer the door. You don't owe people anything. Like so. <laughs> wow, this really—it started with you know I'm generous. I would probably just give it 
I'm saying either be really generous and give it to him. I would do one of two things. I would either, because I one time had this girl. I had this one girl one time when I worked at Krispy Kreme asked me to like drive it like 45 minutes to pick her up every morning. And um, I said, I'll ask my, I'll like ask my dad because like it's his car, which is a lie, but I needed a reason. And then um, I just never spoke to her again. And we didn't work the same sh- Like, she had said, oh, we both need to work morning shifts. And then I went in when she wasn't there and said I needed to work afternoon shifts. So then I never spoke to her again. And I, I've done things like that a lot. I either say, oh, sure, or I never talk to them again. So, like, I feel like if you were going to say, oh, sure, you would have known, like, right away that you were fine with it. So if you're even questioning it, then just don't ever speak to this guy again. And, like, yeah, if his profile pictures him next to a puddle with a sword, like, he's probably an incel. And, like, he's probably going to get on incel. He said that. He was, like. Like, he's probably going to get on incel message boards. And, like, if anything ever happens where they're tracing your IP address, like, you don't want that there. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. That is actually so funny, though, because he said, he actually said he could be some lunatic incel buying a gun to go shoot up a mall. And then they'll be like, oh, how'd he get the gun on the internet? He's on a list. How did he get access to the internet? And yeah. 69 News going well. He okay, like then I'm going to be really, never mind. I'm going to, I rescind the beginning thing and I'm just very firm and never speak to him again. And if he does, if he does catch you in the stairway, be like, I hate you. And I'm I hate you. No, just be like, I think you're really fucking weird. Be like, no, if he confronts you about it, be like, say this neighbor's name is, like, Dan. And and you're like, if he confronts you about it, be like, what's the sword for, Dan? Like, (laughs) you gotta gotta cut up up some women with your sword, Dan. Like, be like, I need a printout copy of your internet history at the end of You better be looking at politically correct porn, I swear to God. Like what would you what is your advice? I second everything except the confrontation. I'm just saying if the neighbor initiates, be like, why can't I have your internet as we're be like, why do you have a sword, Dan? What's in the puddle, Dan? Like (laughs) I would probably even if this isn't true, I would say it's already so slow, and I need it for work. I can't afford it to go any slower. You know what? Hard. You could just lie and say, I'm actually, um, it's my mom's internet, so I can't. You know what? Just lie. Say say you don't even have internet. Like, be like, I'm Amish. <laughs> I don't have internet. I'm Amish. And that's really rude of you. Say that. I actually think that's the best option out of all the. Out of all the, I've given like it's a choose your own adventure. I've given many options. I personally would do that one. I would say that I was Amish. I was just doing, you know, like the Amish get a year to go out in the world. I would just say I'm on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would just say, and then like if he's still there when the year is up, be like, oh, I chose to, you know, live in the people world. The purpose of that is so that they can, like, try everything. Like, they would be using internet. Um, be like, well, just be, you know, uh, if that guy questions,
questions it, be like, don't if, say to him, oh, are you Amish? Don't act like you know everything about being Amish. <laughs> it's that thing where it's like if someone in the community tells you something is true, so be like, yeah, oh, don't assume you know what's up with being Amish. Oh man, this is okay. Or, or you could just pretend you're one of those conspiracy theories and be like, no man, the government's watching you. I haven't even looked at a computer since 97. Like, (laughs) I looked at one once and I think it put a microchip in me right then. (laughs) The laser beams, man. Like, there's so many options, really. Like, if you've ever wanted to be an actor, now's your time to practice. Like, I actually really love that one because that's easy to like c- commit to. You just have to like put tinfoil on your head every time you leave the apartment. Just and um, normal. just watch that '70s show, the just the pilot, and just really get a good impression of Hyde when he's like, "They got a car that runs on water, man!" Like just, just, and then every time you see him, just start with a different government conspiracy. Like tell him how you were part of that group that stormed Area Fifty One, like that. <laughs> a lot of work oh i feel like we're getting a little carried away no just i'm just saying like if this guy ever talks to you just make sure you're committed to being seeming insane like I, <laughs> make sure you've read at least four to five books on <laughs> no like just just check reddit threads occasionally to get some inspiration <laughs> You're, so basically you're going to be method acting for the rest of your life no just um, like for as long as you live there I mean I think avoid this guy like the plague I mean which we can't really say anymore because people don't avoid the plague but avoid yeah. him uh, you know avoid him like a debt collector and just try your best to never talk to him again well that's the thing I would say right out the gate never talk to him again and then if you do see him be like I don't even have internet man <laughs> okay you know what this is i i really like this you guys if you want our advice or opinion i think we were doing it wrong asking people like people give a shit about us they don't want to learn about us yeah like i'm good at advice just ask me what you should do help you with your problem you're not licensed therapist or medical professional oh for fuck's sake katie get out of here get out of here with your dustpan like you don't have to do this with everything that no, no, I was making fun of, um, you know, like, on, on, um, what is it that we both listen to, cults, she always has to- Oh, yeah, like, it's so obnoxious, she's like, we just want to say, and it's like, bitch, no one thought you were, like, I, <laughs> I think legally, though, they have, to, it's like, somebody could sue them. It's just funny, um, okay, well, don't sue us, sue we're, them. we have nothing, um, so that's it for today's episode, uh, just stay fucking fantastic and wear your goddamn mask, and- Above all else, yay! I wanted us to say it at the same time. Bye! Bye! Goodbye! Classic Fault Lines was created by Molly Lakovich and is hosted by Molly and Katie Lakovich. Edited by Molly Lakovich. Produced by Katie and Molly Lakovich. Logo art by at Maddie.draws, that's draws with a Z, on Instagram. Opening theme by Molly Lakovich. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help us out a lot. And please follow us on Instagram at Classic Fault Lines and on Twitter at CFLPod, that's C F L P O D. 
You can also email us at classicfaultlines at gmail.com. You can find Molly and Katie on social media at Magical Molly and at Katie Lipovich. And if you like our show, please consider contributing to our Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash classicfaultlinespodcast. I'm not strange, weird, off, nor crazy. My reality is just different from yours. Lewis Carroll